They're checking Cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So there I am, right, trying to learn the art of Zen through some beer yoga with Beryl from Lifeline. She gets me to put an ankle behind my ear hole and out comes the most rancid... Uh-oh. What's going on? Smith. Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's quick, go. Quick, quick, hurry up. Drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Fishers and welcome aboard Tales from the Tinny on this very auspicious edition of the show. Well, some may say auspicious, many may say insignificant, invidious, innocuous, even obnoxious. They might even go so far as to describe it as an influx of inane. But I'd like to invoke the spirit of Jake and Elwood and say... We're getting the band back together. That's right. It's not the Blues Brothers, but it could possibly be the blah, blah, bullshit brothers. My name is Robert Smith. Across from me is Timothy Moore. This is Tales from the Titty, and it's been a very long time since those words have come out of my mouth, Timmy. Yeah, for better or for worse, the band is back together. Good to see you, Rob. It is good to be back, Timmy. It's been a few months. You, were, I mean, we... We heard from you the other week, and then you were doing the gig with Andy last week. Travel's completed. You've been relegated to Anchor Gimp. That's all right. Which is good, which is your rightful role. You've got to work your way back up the onboard. This is the, ma- the way of absence, Timmy. You if, you go- if you're going to run away, you can't expect to come back and grab the tiller. No, precisely. You, get, you step away from the outboard and step away from the esky. Your role is... Or stay close to the esky and just hand them out. Give me a beer. Yeah, that's a reasonable role for an anchor gimp. Yeah. As we uh, attempt this week's bottom-bouncing mission, we'll be moving just two metres to the left. Pull us up five metres, would you, Rob? <laughs> yeah. Now nah, let us out of car. Now nah, pull up. I just... I Not reckon quite we need, right. I want to get off the, the front edge of this. Uh, wait, just before you pull out, give me a beer, would you, mate? Yeah, just grab us a beer and then can you pull up and... And drop five seconds later. And and a couple of sausage rolls, mate. Whip me up a couple of nice sausage rolls while can, you're there. Can you rebate this for me, mate? I'm just busy eating my sandwich. Don't want to get the stink of pilchard. I'm going to work you like a dog as that anchor gimp. Oh, and I'm willing to do that work, Timmy. I'm willing to do those hard yards. It's about time. Welcome back to the Tinny Fishos. We're covering just about everywhere worth covering this week. Corroboree, Shady... A report from each of these locations, from the east, the south, the daily, offshore, yarns of sinkings and boat rescues. Even some tales from Stokes Hill Wharf. Fruity tales too, Tim. Kids with potty mouths, like that you just heard of Robert. Probably an appropriate time to remind you. If you haven't heard the tinny before, it's not an adults-only program, although it does... But it's certainly PG. It does... 
I'd go MA. I say I was just going to say treads that delicate line, but on the far side of PG. Yeah. No, actually on the far side of MA too. Yeah. I mean, families and kids are welcome. Just have the earplugs ready. And stories of mullets too. Rob was away, Fishos, you might recall the yarn. And it's one I think that'll really endear you to this fellow, Robert. A man who is so committed to being the mullet. Every every time on the tinny we say, get a mullet up ya, he gets a little tingle up his spine. Ah, nice. A little wave of love and happiness comes over him. We've long said that in order to catch the fish, you need to be the need mullet. To be the fish. And this is a this is a man who's taken that to the next level, and actually is growing out a mullet hairdo in order to be more like the mullet. And there are invoke the power thereof. Invoke the power thereof. Now we caught up with him, me and Andy, a, a few months back, and touching base again this week as the mullet just starts to tickle the shoulders to see if the theory is coming good. Hey, we're on! Found basically the end of the rainbow. <laughs> we had to put an SOS out. No one came. <laughs> Quickly! Hey! You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get a mullet up ya! <laughs> Down the track to Catherine to catch up with the Ayatollah of the Deep. KVR, the proprietor of Rod and Rifle Tackle World in Catherine, and also El Duce of Afan, Warren DeWitt. How are you, mate? I'm very well, Rob. How's it? A little bit cool down in Catherine the uh, last couple of days, which is really nice. The weather's starting to obviously get right into the dry season now, so that's something that uh, people need to keep in mind as we get further into June and July, I suppose. It really is that time, isn't it? We're still getting runoff uh, reports of Big Barra and stuff like that, but we're, uh, one eye is turning towards June tuna and the billabongs. Oh, definitely. Um, it's starting to move into the proper dry season phase now, but we've still got really good fishing opportunities across all the big rivers still at the moment, and obviously the big comps are only just starting to wind up now. Thursday was the first day of the uh, Barra National, so we'll get some good feedback from what they all do down on the Dale and how that's fishing, but all the other big rivers are still going to fish really well. The Vic is going to fish exceptionally well. There's a fair few guys went out after the dawn service on Wednesday to the Vic and are going to fish Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So hopefully we'll get some good reports back on what the Vic's like. The Roper, there's still a bit patchy. There's still people talking a little bit about the Roper. Those guys who are catching Cherupin and putting them in the snags are starting to catch fish now. All the runoffs obviously finished on the Roper. So it's going to be a little bit tougher than what other river systems are, I reckon, at the moment. And breaking news, if you've just tuned into Tales from the Tinny, that there's tuna in the billabongs, according to Rob Smith. Is that what you said? <laughs> no. I'm sure I didn't hear a word Warren just said, because apparently there's tuna in the billabongs. It's an exclusive. People's minds turn to tuna and billabongs. You said tuna in the billabongs. No, tuna and billabongs. Listen, pay, pay replay. attention. Replay. Now, listen, Warren, we're also hearing whispers uh, that about, there's tuna in the billabongs. That there's tuna in the billabongs. No, that there's, uh, the east is going off its nut a bit, but uh, Magilla is holding. It's not uh, impassable, but there's water across it. And it's holding. And as per the usual, Warren, these these reports we're hearing are more whispers. A mate of a mate who's a ranger or, you know, works out at Jabiru, branded on meteries. But they're getting consistent enough to be reliable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
you only have to look at the weather patterns that have been falling and the rain's been up over that top area a fair bit this wet season. And the east has been up for a long time. Um, and as, as Rob just said, that the Magilla is still holding, which is obviously ideal for further runoff going into the east and it is only just hitting its straps i haven't i don't reckon we've seen the best of the south yet either i still believe that the south alligator is going to fish exceptionally well in the next um, month in the may and may's predominantly been then when you think back to the old days when that was the month that we all used to get really excited about was when all the rivers were back down into their normal dry season sort of flows, but there was still lots of fish in the system. There was lots of bait, and that's the other thing that you've got to look for, obviously, is find where the bait is, and then you'll obviously find where the barra are feeding. Neap tides at the moment, Warren. So uh, the comp on the daily, of course, and all the big rivers, will be looking at some clear water at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, we sort of had a neat tide starting on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and then we're building to a, a, a full moon on the 30th at the end of this month. On Monday night's the full moon. So we're going to have this weekend, you'll have really clear water push right down all these rivers. Um, you'll have a bit of run as well, which they say, no run, no fun. So obviously all those rivers will have clean water and also with that push of the incoming tide, you'll get those bigger barra coming up, surfing up with that bigger pushing the river and also chasing the mullet up the middle, which is basically a lot of those guys on the uh, daily will be doing that on the incoming tide in the Barra Nationals as well, using those big lures, trawling six or seven kilometres an hour back up with the current, um, trying to pick up some of those high-scoring fish. And Warren, we'll hear from Captain Waddy a little later on the tinny, uh, particularly in regards to Shady, where the guides are launching around the low tide and having to push their boats for a couple of hundred metres, I think. So that system's really dropping quickly. He reckons only sort of two more sets of big springs and that'll be about it. Does that sound right? Yeah, possibly. I mean, they're still catching really good fish around at the Wildman and Love Creek on the other side or the eastern side of Chambers Bay. Um, so those guys that are making that run up and around that side. And yes, it is very low now at the barrage there at uh, Shady Camp and you need to work your tides now to get in and out successfully. So it's obviously the dry season now and you just have to work your way around those tides. And I think the uh, Shady Camp will still fish fairly well. I think people that um, look around and try and find different places um, for fish that may be holding, and especially where the bait is. I mean, again, we keep talking about where you find those Popeye mullet, and that seems to be the key at the moment. If you can find where the bait are, you'll soon, certainly find where the big fish are hanging out. Right, Warren, it might obviously be the dry season down there, but I reckon we've got a couple of weeks left yet, so don't, don't wish the dry on us too quick. See you next week, mate. All right, boys, all the best. It's lovely to know that the uh, the custom of the hoy has not waned in my absence, Timmy. It seems to have grown. There's hoying thick and fast across the top end, as happens every. Well, there's hoys and there's hoys held back at this time of year, isn't there? Plenty of hoys being held back. Yeah. The, the caginess. I mean, you spoke to Alan last week, one of the great cagey masters of the hoy, because he's been braining it, I heard, in uh, Woods Inlet again. Woods Inlet seems to have been wow, going off its brain. Read between the lines on I the I just hoys. don't understand how people can and you know burn 200 litres of fuel, they say. We burnt 200 litres of fuel at the weekend in Woods Inlet. Don't know how they're doing that. That's a lot of laps of Woods Inlet. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, you might have heard earlier in the week, Fisho's uh, police conducted a search and were appealing for information 
after life jackets and a boat chair and an esky were found floating in waters off uh, Cox Pen. Duty Superintendent Rob, Rob Burgoyne uh, has some of the details. Flotsam and Jetsam, as we call it, 1.5 kilometres off Charles Point, feared the worst that the boat had sunk, and that proved to be correct. The rescuer picked up a 45-year-old uh, male and a 13-year-old who was uh, the male's son from the water. The owner of the boat said that uh, the vessel was aluminium, uh, homemade, about five uh, metres long, uh, and the vessel had sunk very quickly due to a crack in the hull. Lucky that there was someone else in the area that uh, that saw that they were in trouble and went to them quickly and picked them up. Extremely lucky. Absolutely. It's your worst nightmare, a cracked hull, isn't it? For sure. And it happens to many uh, factory boats. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's homemade, who knows? It, yeah, like you say, it can happen to anyone's boat if they get a good enough pounding. Lisa managed to track down the people involved, the blokes who rescued them. Yesterday, Nick Cambaroukas with his son and his brother on a fortuitous visit to Charles Point that day. Threw the anchor down and my brother saw in the distance uh, some maskies. I didn't really click. I was looking at it, I think, as well, but I didn't really register what was going on. And then we got up and sure enough, there were some people waving for help and there was no boy. They were swimming to us. The young fella looked a little bit distressed and tired sort of thing and... Yeah, we managed to get them on a boat and they were okay, yeah. It all happened so quick. It was an experience uh, for us as well. It was pretty uh, scary to see just people in the middle of nowhere with nobody around them. The father told us what happened. He, he seemed to th- think that boat had a crack on the bottom and water was getting in and when he stopped the boat to put the pump to suck the water out, he, the ocean came in from the back of the boat and... He reckons within minutes the boy was gone. He reckons it was pretty scary. The boy was actually holding on the boat while the boat was going down and he wouldn't let go from his fear that he had nothing to hold on to and he started going under. And with the weather and the current, it was pretty rough. I don't think anybody would have made it any more than 20 minutes in the water. The, the kid looked exhausted. Well done, crew. Uh, Bradley Dawes, Oscar and Hertie, how's this for a trip? And st- stand by for it, Fishos, because... I've got to take a breath here. Yeah, it's one of those, Rob. It's it's a delivery, stand by. And it's got everything. It's got everything on. Yeah, loosen the shoulders <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limber up, Rob. Okay. Limber up. Hit well, it. what a week. All-nighters, 10-foot sleepy sharks and one-inch flying fish. Billfish comp, trolling for days, midday naps and sleeping at the wheel. Man overboard, caddy hat, shady camp, barbecue barra, up in a river with no water, lost anchor, drifting. No dollars but a couple of rats, sleeping in a wet swag and sitting through knock downs watching horses reeled in, worst sleep ever. Stay positive. Marlin through the loop, double hook up with your besties and landed. Virginity's broken, no, not that kind, and sails in the sunset. <laughs> Lo- loved every second with Bradley Dawes. Do it all again next year. Yeah! Ha! Live action. How is that for a mission with your mates? That's it. No superfluous information. No. Then this happened, then that happened. Then that I is went... a hoy. That's, that is the template for, for your hoy. golden hoy. Yeah. Well done, Brad and Oscar and Hertzie. The template for the Golden Hoy. Yep, I reckon that's it. Brad reckons the muddies as well were so big he couldn't fit in more than one. Yeah. Rub it in, why don't you, Brad? 
You can see all their picks at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook. And late-breaking Brad's just got back in contact, out again yesterday for another six sales. Yee-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lats has been at it again. He's been at another trip with uh, Jack Feeney. And as expected in true Lats styles was banging 90s. 95, 96, 95, 94, and Jack got a 98. The 90s just keep stacking up for lats. He reckons they're a bit harder to get this trip. Lots on the sounder, but they weren't biting. He uh, cheekily told us he was at the Todd. I think that's exactly adjacent to Woods Inlet, the it Todd's is. River. Yeah. The Todd River. Just a couple at, of clicks up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, near Uluru somewhere there. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, Michael from Caspool gave me a hoy as I strode in there to punch out a few vigorous laps this morning, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a boy avoiding the Barra frenzy. He lived out of Kakadu for a long time and so he doesn't want to get into the, the runoff frenzy. He's having a nice, calm crab over recent weeks and doing pretty well. Shoal Bay's been treating him nicely with 10 to a dozen solid crabs each trip. But he noticed that the red crabs, the Kimberley crabs, were a little less prevalent of late. He didn't yeah, know right. whether it was just where he's going. He calls them rangers or rambos because they're so full of angry pills. Uh, last trip, he got 12 green, uh, 12 green crabs, normal crabs, and no rangers, but his mate in another arm got four reds out of 10. Yeah, right. He just wonders whether anyone has seen a female red. He can't recall, though. A mate sent him a pic of what they reckon might be a hermaphrodite. It's got a bit of two bob each way. We've got that up on Faceake. It's sort of got the, the female round, but then it's got a point on it. So it might be somewhere on the LGBTIQ. What is it, what is it with hoys, hoys, mud crabs... And their sexuality. Mm. Consistently, we're hoyed about the hermaphroditic nature, <laughs> the sexuality of a mud crab, the location of, of the what? anus. <laughs> and whether they actually have one. It's a fascinating concept for the Church of the Tinny, isn't it? How does a mud crab genitals work? We're a little bit voyeuristic as a group about the, the crustacean. Is it Grubert, the uh, mud crab Grubert, man? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we yeah. Maybe we do, Rob. Maybe we get him in and get and find out everything there is to Imagine know about. Imagine the mud crab porn that Mark Grubert would have. Yeah, about the digestive tract, <laughs> the the anus and the genitalia of a mud crab. This is an MA-rated show. Did you get that memo? Yeah. <laughs> Brad Allgood mentioned earlier those boys doing well on sales. He's got the carton billfish comp uh, at Dundee yes. this weekend. Yes. If you haven't entered, carton of beer to enter. Strictly heavies. Strictly heavies. Will not tolerate any mid-strength hoo-ha. <laughs> Winner takes all. No second place. No it's. That's it. That's no, the way a comp should run. No ifs. No buts. No misters. No scratching. No biting. No hoo-ha. No arguing with the judges. Heavies only. Winner takes all. <laughs> it's simple. Any questions, writes Brad, please feel free to contact last year's winner, me. Brad Allgood. Uh, the fishing area is anywhere off Dundee. Uh, lines in Saturday the 28th from 6am. Good luck to all the competitors. We'll catch up with you next week, Brad. It looks like you're going to have a cracker because the comp last weekend and from the reports during the week, looks like there's plenty around. Uh, Rowan Short, Shorty, has uh, been out on the daily for a pre-fish for the Nats, snooping around the snags and marking some spots. He got a 97 on one of those spots, which we're pretty sure will have got marked with a nice little X. Nice-looking barra, Shorty. Uh, good luck for the Nats, for, well, for you, Shorty, and for everyone else having a crack down there. That starts today. Be a good assessment, too, of how the, the, uh, the daily's fishing, so we'll, 
bring you a full report of the Nats next week. Chloe Ellis-Lehman, Cracker Anzac Day at Charles Point. How's these stats? Six people, 12 Dewey, so total bag out in just three hours oh, nice. off Charles Point. Nice. Nearly lost the anchor with the big suckers trying to trash them. Those pics are on Facebook as well. Uh, Chris Edwards gave us a hoy. So a mate, Lance Cameron, and I decided to take the opportunity to take my young fella, Manny, age seven, out on Darwin Harbour, get him onto some good-sized fish out wide of Charles Point. I can say the young fella goes hard and is keen to get out again soon. Good on you, Manny. First big fish for him hooked and uh, landed was a 76 Trevally. He even has the pump and wine technique down pat for the first time in his new overhead outfit. Pumping and wine at seven years' age. Should be a proud dad, surely. Yeah, I've got a five-year-old, and we've been practising during the school holidays the pump and wine. Oh, good on you, Timmy. And it was a, a goldie, what would that have been, 35 centimetres, but yeah. on a little, you know, cheapy yeah, yeah. rod that almost snaps. <laughs> it looks like a horse. Yeah. So as we're talking through the pump and wind and the reel's pretty much coming into her face, you know, just trying to get the leverage yeah. on it, her little friend, it was the best thing ever, her little friend who's seven, grabs her shirt by the back and says, hold on, I got you. It's the whopper. And then his little brother, who's four, grabs him on the back and goes, I got you, bro. Oh, it's a support so, chain. Yeah, we've got a support chain of these three little kids pulling up this tiny snapper. Oh, time of their life. Anyway, pump and wine does take a bit of work, doesn't it, Chris? Congratulations, Manny. He's a keen little fisho who Dad says loves listening to the tinny every Friday. Young fella who clearly has terrific taste in MA radio. Next weekend, the KGFC, the 31st Big Horse Creek Barra Classic, is on. You can go to the website or Facebook to register. We'll catch up with Harry Renfrey next week. Should be good, uh, according to WDW. He reckons it's fishing pretty well, the Vic. And a quick note, uh, removal of old coatings and some corrosion at the pylons at Diner Beach. Work starting on Monday right through April and May, wherever the tide level's lower than 1.3. It's going to kind of be shut down to one lane, as I understand it, uh, but weekdays only. So, And when those tides are low, otherwise for weekends and public holidays, it'll be as per normal. You can give us a hoy too at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook. Email fishing at abc.net.au or give us a bell and have a chat to the drunken albatross who is still on deck oh. via 1300 mullet. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a point. We're hearing there's a bit of a dry sense to the air. We heard from Warren earlier on that the uh, temperatures in Catherine are dropping. People's minds start turning towards Billabong. Not to tuna in billabongs, just to billabongs. And the comps are well in, well in swing with the Nats on at the moment. In a couple of weeks' time, the Freshwater Classic is on at Corroboree, a big one amongst the wand-waving community. And a couple of blokes who we've spoken to many times aboard the vessel is the mad professor Dave Krantz and Rod Sinclair, the Silver Fox, went out on a Corroboree during the week to do a bit of a recce for the upcoming comp. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. How are you going? You're prepping for the comp in two weeks' time, but during the comp, you're fishing on two different teams. How's the dynamic aboard a boat on a waterway that you're doing a recce for when you're going to be fishing on opposite teams coming up? First to you, Mr Krantz. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one. Uh, Rog is a you know accomplished fly fisher, accomplished fisher at Corroboree. 
And so it's always good for me to check out what he's doing. However, I did notice on the day he was quite cagey about which spots he wanted to go to. You know, there was a lot of back and forth as we discussed where we should look, if we thought there'd be fish anywhere. I would be amazed if some of those spots we went to the other day were not just complete red herrings thrown in there by Rog. <laughs> Rog, Rog, it sounds to us like in terms of a recce, this this degenerated into a complete farce where no one is learning anything from one another because no one's willing to tell each other anything. I think I uh, impressed them by showing them uh, a couple of spots, possibly productive, uh, down the track. But playing it quite cagey by the sounds, Rog. Some spots we never even uh, got within three kilometres of. <laughs> enough action to give us some hope that uh, we, we might tangle with a few in the comp coming up in a couple of weeks. The fishing was, uh, was quite okay. What was quite okay to your standards, Rog? Like, what were you picking up and where and how were you finding them? A few, uh, few barra, small barra around. Can't give too much away, of course. Probably lots of, uh, lots of ears that will be keenly listening to this conversation. So mm. let's just say that uh, there were fish around and uh, looking good for the... Uh, coming up, I hope. The strategic statements continue. Jeez, what, a, what a diplomat this guy is. <laughs> He's choosing words carefully. Krantz, was there any particular time of the day that uh, the fish seemed to be more active out there? Daytime, I would say, which will be convenient for the comp because that's being held during the daytime. And you were there on the daytime, so I, I suppose you can't make an assessment of the nighttime. That would probably be fair to say. I, like, like Rog, I don't want to talk too much. This interview itself is now it's degenerating going, into a complete farce. It's going nowhere. Did you throw lures around at all, Krantz? Yeah, threw some lures around. As Rog said, we had a bit of a look at a few spots. <laughs> they were within Corroboree or the Rock Hole or both. And we found a couple of fish. You don't want to catch too many, uh, which is lucky. For me. Okay, let, let's just end this fast right here and, and we'll move on. How, something safe ground, generic ground, both of you, how do you see corroboree fishing over coming weeks? How's the billabong looking? And, and particularly into the dry, given we've been disappointed by corroboree in, for a number of dries. The water was fairly high out there still, so there's a little bit of flow at a couple of points in the billabong. Plenty of water out there now. A lot of the lilies have been cleared out. There's a lot of grass growing along the sides, which is, at least in my experience, is more than there has been in the past. But I think this dry season should be quite good out there. That is right. There's, uh, there's lots of dead lily stems. I think grass is uh, a bit concerning. I don't know whether it's a, a normal, natural phenomenon, but it just seems that that... Uh, seems to be getting thicker and thicker every year. Probably prevents faster water flow through the system to really give it a good clean-out. As might be evident already, Fishos, as we grow and come into our middle ages, we do, many of us tend to get a bit a bit wiser and a bit cagier. Case in point, Roger Sinclair and Dave Krantz. That wisdom of age manifested itself in another noteworthy way aboard the Billabong on this trip too, Dave. Yeah, that's true. Uh, someone once said to me, when it comes to fishing, sort of go hard or go home. And increasingly, as I get older, go home is the <laughs> is the appealing option there. I'll take the, the home choice. Yeah, then. exactly. I mean, as you would, sensibly. There's air conditioning. Yeah, there's a couch. Uh, there's nice television. There's maybe yeah. the cricket's on. Um, however, this week, uh, it was revealed to me that maybe there is a middle ground. Maybe there is another way. Uh, we were sort of cruising around and it was approaching lunchtime and Roger suddenly produced a, a series of extremely cheap umbrellas that he'd obtained from a local hardware store and mounted them in some sort of custom-made brackets that he had installed on his boat. 
thereby providing small patches of shade. You could sit down in the shade, uh, eat something. And still fish on without a canopy. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly have one of them up and have someone fishing while someone else enjoyed the shade. Initially, I, you know, of course, mocked him, as you would. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, Roger's really onto something here. I don't need to go home. And I can go at a mediocre pace as opposed to hard. Is this the smart run? Is this the smart way to go, Roger? Getting a bit uh, bit longer longer in the tooth, and the, sometimes in the middle of the day you appreciate a little bit of shade. So, well, I need to come up with uh, some idea that may appease uh, those that are thinking of home uh, and uh, <laughs> be possibly able to extend one fishing day slightly longer. Ah, uh, you've been given shady a bit of a crack uh, recently too, Rog. Had hard yards, uh, Hubble out there and uh, yeah we certainly uh, had plenty of uh, action up around the barrages and uh, down around the mouth no no big barra but we certainly caught some uh, serious numbers and caught them on both lure and fly so um, yeah it was good fun. Hard Yards Hubble another man ironically named given his propensity when given the choice to go of, soft of going hard or going home mostly elect to go home at a rapid pace with a pinprick in his ear uh, Hard Yards is uh, presently at uh, Shady Camp, so um, you know, I might take steps to try and track him down and find out what he's up to. Do that, Silver Fox. Good on you, Rog. Thanks very much, mate. Good luck in the comp coming up. Uh, no worries. Thanks, boys. We'll be out there flinging some flies around and hoping uh, we can tangle with something. I'm looking positive uh, what's coming up uh, this year at Crobbery, so I think certainly should be better than the last few years anyway. Good on you, mate. And uh, thanks to you, Mad Professor David Krantz. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hopefully Roger might find it a bit hard after some of his spots experience a bit of circle work from my boat at 6am before the comp starts. <laughs> See you, boys. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers. See you. Tales from the Tinny. Go hard or go home. It's uh, your first instinct. Well, as Crant said, my first instinct was to snigger and sneer, but and then I thought... You know what? That sounds really nice. What, the umbrella? <laughs> the umbrellas. Yeah. There is a middle ground, it turns out. They just don't swap, stop swiping at each other, those fly rodders, though. No. Krantz said in a pic shortly afterwards of the silver fox in action under the brolly, Krantz said, note the 50 rods visible at the lower left, chaps, just some of the 300 rods <laughs> that, that, that Rog brought along on that day. <laughs> and the banana slagging on another note is really firing up pre the comp too. Oh, this is uh, some history. Oh, yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, we caught up, you wouldn't have heard it, perhaps, with Scotty Mitchell and Vlasny, ah. who were slagging Hubble for being really soft because he drove all the way home from Corroboree with a pinprick of a fly in his ear rather oh, yeah. than just pull it out, yeah. despite his father, Hard Yards Hubble Sr., ne- ripping, yeah. ripping a whole donkey thrasher with eight lures out of his ear. Rusty. And, rusty and having to get 19 stitches. Anyway, uh, Hubble hit back on Facebook. Shout out to Scotty Mitchell and George Vlasny for their wonderful words of praise and encouragement last week on the tinny. I got a couple of nanas with your names on them here, and he's jotted Scotty and George on his bananas. Going to drop them in the boat just pre the comp. So it would seem the war has reignited, Timmy. Bolt take mum's rod that scored everything today. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Half decent weapon to whack a crock in the nose with. Go to the toilet, letting bricks out. And then I passed out. Bang. Holy <laughs> Tales from the tinny. Now, as is often the case, and as we've uh, alluded to a couple of times in the program already, this is an adult show. Pushing past the boundaries of PG, possibly. 
certainly into MA. I don't know if MA15 plus, that's for others to decide. <laughs> that's for ABC complaints line to deal with. Now, this noise gets a fairly solid workout on yeah. the tinny. Now, we yeah. all know what that noise means. It replaces other words that we're not allowed to generally play. In fact, the licensing agreement the ABC has to pay for the use on the tinny of this particular noise far exceeds the costs of an average employee's salary. And so it was last week when a Territory mum, Lorella, heard this chat with Alan. The whole bloody build-up, everyone's like, oh, you know, let us know when it's on, let us know when it's on, and you just tell them, look, it's f***ing on when it's on, and when I give you the call, pull your finger out and jump right. on board, and all these other f***s. Yeah, I felt so sorry for the bloke, you know. Okay. <laughs> Case in point. Yep. So rather than be aghast, offended, and venting her outrage by penning that formal letter of complaint to management, this mother, this great territory mother, did something else. She said, right, I'm going to take my kids fishing at Stokes Hill Wharf over the weekend. I'm going to download the Tinny Field reporting app so I can ask my kids, when is it appropriate for, for kids, mine or others or any, to swear while fishing? So should children be allowed to swear whilst fishing? Yes, if you caught this big thing, you could say, whoa, what a whopper that little shit is. <laughs> I think so, because, like, let's say if there was a crocodile coming to jump up and bite your fish that you had just caught, you would say, oh, my gosh, look at that big frickin' croc. <laughs> it's eating my frickin' fish. You can only swear, like, at certain times. Especially if you see a giant squirrel of freaking fish if, that you can't catch because your rods aren't baited. Don't swear in front of your parents. Don't swear in front of teachers. That out the <laughs> Don't swear in front of your sister. Well, You're only allowed to swear with your mates. Well, those, those, all those rules went out the window. And I'm his mate. When you go fishing with Dad, is, does he swear much? No, he never swears. He's only swerved once or twice. Once he caught a barramundi, and then the other time is because he got a hook in his leg. The time when he hooked his leg, it, he was in pain, so that caused a motion of swearing. When do you think it's okay for kids to swear when they're fishing? Only if they've hurt themselves, or if they've got a big fish. Yeah, like when it's hard to pull it in, you go like, I've got a big fish. Dad, can you help me? That's what Harry said once. Tales from the tinny. What the f Crap. Is that a swear word? Sugar honey iced tea. Shiz burgers. Bastard. Oh, shush, please. This is as boring as bat Frickin' fluff off. Ship. Chips? Shivers? Is dickhead a swear word? Yes! Oh, never mind then. Yeah, yes, it is a swear word. <laughs> oh, gee, even in uh, that last ten seconds, we've paid another a few thousand dollars to the in royalties in licensing fees. Oh, I tell you, there was one an interesting point raised there by Great Small Minds: emotional swearing. Timmy, hmm. I think you and I must be very emotional creatures. <laughs> Fish, fishers across the territory must be very emotional. Just emotional creatures, dear, like letting it out. Letting the emotions out.
It's okay, fishos. It's not dirty. It's not rude. It's just emotional swearing. There's a crocodile trap there, but sort of don't take any notice of that. We drove past their boat and hurled the one and a half metre croc into theirs. They all vacated the boat very quickly. Off like a bride's nighty. Yes. Tales from the Tinny. Morgan Hartney is a name that uh, many people who've been listening to the Tinny for a number of years would be quite familiar with. A young chap who we taught everything we knew <laughs> and has moved on, left the old farts behind mm. in the mire of mediocrity and moved on to bigger, better and brighter things. Mm. It was an inauspicious start as a member of the Parat Massive, a young punk riding skateboards and fishing across the top end, moved to Tales from the Tinny, uh, was deconstructed as a man and rebuilt <laughs> to the man he is today, which is the, uh, the producer of Fishing the Wild. You might have seen it. He's been out pretty much across everywhere in the top end, this runoff filming season two. Hartney, how the hell are you? I'm good, thanks, boys. And if you're taking credit for telling me everything I know, I'm living in a tin shack in Arnhem Land at the moment, so you, that's on you, okay, <laughs> by the way. That is completely on you. I've ended up here. I'm going well, boys. I've, I've just spent the last week and a half fishing some of the territory's most iconic places, the south, the east, uh, corroboree, shady, so I've had, a, I've had a great week and a half. A gruelling schedule, but a, a great time to hit the rivers after a good wet season. Morgs, how'd you go? Yeah, good, decent. We didn't get that many huge fish, but we got a lot of smaller fish. Um, and obviously, if you're shooting a TV show, you're after the scenic sort of stuff. So we weren't really hammering the fishing all day. But uh, I'd say the pick of the bunch was definitely uh, the Mary River out of all those rivers for us anyway. Yeah, and let's come to that in a bit. But Warren DeWitt reckons the south is still primed to fire. How did you find it fishing? We mainly fished the upper end. Um, we just wanted to try and get up to that floodplain country right up the top and see if there's any fresh water coming in. We fished for two days on that river and caught maybe, I don't know, three legals, but maybe 50 fish up to around 50 centimetres. Um, so it was fishing pretty well on the turn of the outgoing from the top of the tide. So as soon as that tide started coming out, we were fishing all the drains, basically, from the places where you're not allowed to fish anymore up the top all the way back to the bridge. Um, and there was everyone was getting smaller fish. Some bigger fish were being caught at that rock bar, the Medjilla rock bar there, by uh, simply anchoring up and rolling big soft plastics on the rock bar itself. But down at the mouth, there was bigger fish being caught. We heard some good reports from um, DNA, Dwayne. Uh, they're getting some really big fish up there. And everyone coming back from the boat ramp uh, told us a handful of 80s and a couple of 90s being caught. So I think definitely towards the mouth of the south is where you're going to get the bigger fish. But we found a floating metre barramundi around the bridge and um, Simo and I decided to pick it up while a bunch of boats were driving past, claim it as their own, pretending to take photos. Oh, brilliant. Threw it back. That's and TV. Probably, and, no, no, we've probably <laughs> kept those blokes fishing there another four days and they're all divorced now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, apolo we apologise to those guys. We did no, not catch that fish. Yeah, that was a lesson from the tinny. Just cheat and lie. <laughs> you know, you always prosper. What about, what about the East, Morg? Uh, the east, we only fished the freshwater side because uh, we got a couple of ranges to take us up to some culturally sensitive areas that we were had, allowed to have a look at, but we were just mainly flicking the snags and getting a lot of rats. We actually got taken into some inland billabongs where we were getting a fish every second cast. But we actually fished Cahill's Crossing at night and hooked a couple of big fish um, between 80 and a metre and, and lost them. And um, so that's still fishing really well. The top of the tide is that water 
becomes still between the fresh and the salt up there. Moving on to the river that you said was the pick, the Mary, mm-hmm. uh, up, down, in between, where were you? The first day we went out and fished uh, Marsh and there was eight or ten boats out there. This is a weekday and we managed to hook a, a, one around the 115. We landed at mid-90s, dropped a few in the 80s and a couple of other boats around us picked up some in the 90s too. So the fishing, it sort of seemed to switch on as soon as that tide started to turn at the top and run out um, yep. and some of the guides I spoke to said that there was this hour or so period where you were getting a few of those fish and then it was quietening down but guides I talked to at the end of the week on the boat ramp they said it's getting hit and miss now they say probably these bigger tides coming up are probably the last chance for this proper runoff fishing but the real action on Shady was mid-river where the first barrage on the right is there's about a, a kilometre stretch of really tannin water coming into the main river and schools of big mullet moving up and down that area. And we were fishing with Shane Compain and we were just sounding really big fish in the middle of that river. And right up to the building top of the, the tide, they were just there on the sounder. They weren't active, they weren't doing anything. But as soon as that tide turned, these big fish were coming up right up to the water column and smashing these big mullet in the middle of the river and we were just trolling big bombers down the guts and picking up a handful of 90s and Shane got a 108. People around us were picking up meteries. It was um, really good fishing for about an hour and a half of that first turn of the tide. Mm. He's, you know, regarded as obviously one of the um, more competent recreational fishers in the top end, wins a lot of the comps and whatnot, but what did you learn fishing with Shane about persistence oh well that, that word right there persistence the more i spend time fishing with shane the more i realize i don't know about anything about fishing he uses his sounder really well so he'll identify fish and he can even process by their positioning whether they're in a feeding mode or not and if he marks fish he knows that at some stage of the tide these big fish will feed so he'll just basically wait until significant parts of the tide the turns obviously and just keep trolling big lures over the top of them until they actually start feeding. Um, and he's constantly changing his uh, lure colour. And for the start of the, the the turn of the tide, we actually like anchored up and just started casting uh, big plastics into the middle of the river and just bringing them mid-water across. And we got a couple of 90s doing that. But as soon as he started seeing bigger fish move through the sounder while we we're anchoring up, he realised that these fish were actually on the move. They weren't just congregating around certain areas. So that means we just pulled the anchor up and just started trolling the guts. And, and we weren't the only ones. There was a lot of guide boats fishing the same kilometre stretch of Shady and all of these people were picking up big fish. So they're still there. Mm. Do you also realise fishing with Shane Compain that you're just a little bit lazier? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that- Shane Compain goes hard. If given the choice... Would you rather go as hard or go home? It's, some, it's a, an idea we're exploring on the tinny this week. Or... Yeah, listen, like every fisherman, I go through phases where fishing's my life and then, then other things take over, like the ATO chasing me or just there's periods where <laughs> hence, I fish less. Hence the tin shack in Arnhem Land. <laughs> <laughs> but I really got another appreciation about working hard again with Fishing with Shane because the thrill of hooking these big barra it is that absolute adrenaline rush when you see that huge bucket head come out of the water with your lure in its mouth. And Shane is addicted 
to that. Um, so he will work his ass off to just keep getting that. It's like heroin to him. And that reminded me, you've just got to work. I mean, Shane's obviously an incredible fisherman and he's got incredible uh, social media following because he's caught so many big fish. But what people have got to realise is he works for those fish, you know. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's spending time on the water. He's refining all these things that he's learnt. And the biggest thing that he um, said to Simo and I during this couple of days of filming was the fact that he ne- basically there are principles to catch barrow. Every day he's on the water, he keeps an open mind basically starts with a clean slate every day and has to try and read that river how it's fishing that day he said a lot of the the rec- other recreational fishermen who aren't so successful will continue to go back to proven areas where they've caught fish before and he said that that's one thing that stops them from catching more fish is that mm. um, you've got to be dynamic in the way that you look at a river every day every tide phase yeah, he continues to go hard as you and I Robert elect to toddle off home. <laughs> toddle off home for a cool drink. <laughs> Good on you, Morgs. Lovely to have a chat. Fishing the Wild with Simo and Morgs will be on the box. Series 2 will be on the box shortly. Uh, have fun, mate, and uh, hope that if you look, see a bloke in a suit and a tie uh, out there in Arnhem Land, it'll be the ATO duck for colour. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Thanks so much, boys. Cheers. My name's Mitch, the mullet Nixon. From what I can see, the mullet magic continues. Yeah, mate, it's not been going too bad, actually. Uh, put some more fish in the boat, which is good. We've had some uh, some real good trips and some doozies, as you do. You've got to do the miles to get the smiles, but so we've been putting in some hard yards and yeah, it's been paying off. Heaps in the 90s and love the 80 models. Mouth of Adelaide River's been going off, Chady Camp. They've been good, eh? Holding lots of bait. Been uh, hitting the daily lately. It's been going off too. River's looking good, coming into the comp, so um, getting amongst it. And what's the daily delivering for you? Consistent fish. I haven't smashed any monsters yet, but starting to get to good numbers, so definitely point scorers, mate. Yeah, heaps of point scorers. Wouldn't mind to get a couple of big ones, but, you know... I'll, I'll take what I get. The daily's been going off lately. Uh, last week it was a week of meteries. Is uh, that wetting your appetite? It was. I was at work and I was watching me Facebook pretty profusely and got me itching this week, so I had to get down there. Been smashing as uh, hard as I can twice a week, giving it a tickle. Didn't quite go to plan with the big girls, but like I said, yeah, we still got a few in the boat and it's a good time. Been marking a few good snags there, holding lots of baits, so. We'll keep that one to the chest, <laughs> but um, it's looking good, it's, it's healthy. I'm checking out the mullet, it's a glorious beast, it's starting to tickle the shoulders. So getting back to where it was? I reckon there's nearly a year or two in it yet, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely getting there. We're starting to get a few more comments and uh, just, just a good laugh really. So it's still working for you fishing-wise? Everything's okay on the boat? Yeah, mate, the boat, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah, she's been Hollywood. Done everything I need it to do. She's quick. I'm loving it. And what about the mates that are going with you on uh, the Mullet Express? So it's Stephen Hample and Dean Limbert. Stephen's been uh, doing really well. He's been getting a few, getting amongst it. Where at? Oh, better not. He's, uh, <laughs> he gets a bit funny, but in the Northern Territory... No, he, uh, he hits the harbour a bit, I've been told. 
when you were out on the weekend, the runoff was all gone? Yeah, no runoff. It wasn't even holding bait or anything like that, so more concentrating out in the river and trying to get amongst it, really. More bait on the bigger tides. Neeps is pretty quiet. It's going to be hard. These bounties you have been pulling in the last couple of trips, Mitch, uh, how have you been getting them? Get them on the troll, slapping hard bodies down the guts. Nothing to it. Just a keen fish over with a bit of luck, really. All the best for the next few trips. I look forward to uh, continuing updates on the mullet and the magic it's weaving in your fishing life. Yeah, no worries, mate. I'll keep up to date. There's the mullet. Be the mullet. And the pics are on Facebook. The boat is Hollywood. Sweet. And the mullet just tickling the shoulders. I can't imagine the sort of sizes and numbers coming in the boat when that mullet reaches shoulder blade length like it used to be. Now, I'm, I'm sure, did Andy and you draw the Samson parallels here? No, we didn't. You did it. No. The power. The power is coming back yeah. as the mullet grows. He'll be able to bring down buildings like Samson. He'll be able to go to, uh, what is it? Athens wasn't built in a day mm. on the Nightcliff corner there. Get between the pillars <laughs> and just push them apart. You know, the, there are a number of positives when his, when his mullet was down to his shoulder blades. Firstly, how growing the mullet and being the mullet translated to Barra. Mm. I mean, the downside was relations with uh, his lady friends. Went downhill Took too. a dive. Oh, okay. But the other real positive was how many free beers he was bought at the pub. True. He just Yeah, he said everyone just came up and said, mate, I'm just admiring your mullet. I've got, I've got to buy you a pint. Looks like everything's on track for Mitch going into the classic. Mullet moments. Yeah, Matt from Stewart Park here. I like to go fishing with my brother. Yacht legs. It always starts off good. Then after a few tinnies and if we haven't got on to much, I usually start my mullet survey. After a few calls of, yeah, yeah, five there or 50 metres in front, port side or up against the bank, eventually he cracks the shits with me and tells me to shut the up. But ever since I went that time uh, with Long Tom, he showed me the ways of the live mullet. I've been hooked ever since. Doesn't matter if I'm flicking, jigging, trolling. Got to keep an eye out for the mullet. Recently I did an um, extended survey <laughs> on the Darwin Airborne Yacht Race. I found out these things are evolving, eh? They've sprouted wings in their ever-elusive battle to evade the predatory barramundi. They've now learnt how to fly. Them flying fish, they're really mullet, I'm telling him. I've got the photos to prove it, brother. I'd put it to someone at Charles Darwin or any other distinguished, uh, whatever those places are, to prove us wrong. There might be a forked tail here and there, but look into the eyes of the mullet, and wings or no wings, it's still a mullet. Tales from the Tinny. As we move deep into the runoff of 2018, as per usual, a lot of attention on the daily, but with the, the Nats on over this weekend. The other one, increasingly more and more people are making the effort to head out to is the Moyle, often via a mothership or a big mission over there. Tommy Abdu is one of them. He runs the Sand Palms Roadhouse down at uh, Fog Bay at Bino region. How are you going, Tommy? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. You fished it on corresponding tides about a fortnight ago, mate. How was the fishing then? The fishing was pretty good. We went 
down there and put a mothership just out inside the mouth there of the moil and run a couple of tenders right up to the top of the floodplain, mate. If you've never been up there or seen floodplain in full swing, it's definitely worth a look. It's coming off the plane up there at a hell of a rate of knots, mate, and I was surprised at how how big those fish are and how hard they push up through those rapids because there's literally rapids where it's coming off the floodplain. And, uh, mate, we pulled some big fish out of there. The biggest one we got, Roddy pulled 94 out of there, but... Uh, they're all in the, around the 60 range and upwards from there and a few little ones down from there. It was, it was a hell of a good thing. We pulled over 100 in, uh, in our boat and the other boys, I think they did a little more. Nice work, Tommy. So you spend most of your time up in the back reaches of the floodplain there? Yeah, I love it up there, mate. It's just pretty spectacular scenery, but it's, uh, there's some good fish coming up there as well, you know. They're just pushing right back up to the floodplains. What's it like trying to hold on to a 90 in that flask flowing water? Oh, you, you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> yep but it's good fun, you know. I only took one bait caster for the whole five-day trip and uh, never did wear it out. Often in those conditions when they're feeding hard at the top of the floodplain, it kind of doesn't matter what you're throwing around, does it, Tommy? No, nah, mate. We were, I don't think anybody had the same lure on and they were hitting everything. They weren't fussy about what they hit. They were just happy to get something. Hard bodies or plastics? Yep, both of them. And uh, any particular time of the tide, it didn't really matter if it's running off hard off, off the floodplains, I suppose. No, it seemed to be better late in the evening when it was pushed right up, you know, because it's, it's, the moil's not that long. And uh, it's directly influenced at the, at the floodplain by the tide, so it would push it up there and hold it up, and, uh, but it was still pumping off the floodplain, you know, so we were, uh, we were just having fun. You mean at the top of the incoming when that incoming tide is holding back a bit of the flow from yeah. the floodplain? Because it brings the water level right up almost level with the floodplain and then when it drops down to a low tide, you're a couple of metres down below the floodplain. Yeah, roger that. So the fish were uh, all fit and fat, Tommy? Oh, mate, they've got big shoulders on them, eh? Yeah. Bronze ones they are, you wouldn't eat them, but uh, you're not there to eat them, you're just there to catch them and let them go. You know, the other one we did out there was bloody uh, queenies on bait casters, mate. Now, that's some good sport fishing for you. Oh, out the front of the moil? Little moil. Oh, yeah. Up in there, mate, i got about a 21-odd pound... Um, Spaniard mackerel on a bloody barrel ollie. Oh, really? And you, you only took the one bait caster? That was a bit uh, ambitious. It didn't smoke <laughs> Mate, it? She gave her a good load test, I'll tell yeah, you. <laughs> I bet it did. Did well to hold it. Okay, mate, uh, coming closer to home base for you, what are you hearing around Bino? Um, it's been a bit quiet down on the Finnis recently. I know some people went down there over the last few days and they haven't really been cleaning up. There's been a couple caught down there that I know of, but uh, nothing spectacular, you know. What about freshwater Finnis? That's my favourite. I love it because it's just right there. But, um, yeah, we've been getting cherubin and red claw out of there, and that's the, that's the number one uh, barrow bait is a live bloody cherubin. You just chuck them on the hook and let them go. And 64 out there last time we were up there. It was not good fighting fish. It was fairly chrome too, so he must have pushed up from the, uh, the salt, I reckon. Mm, how's that uh, freshwater finish looking after the wet we've had? Still, It's still flowing, obviously, and it's, obviously now it'll start receding, but... Um, it's back down to an easy level to get in and out of. And you're hearing much from Bino itself, mate? Um, I've got a lot of campers in caravanners at the moment, so they're all poking around out there. I know they've been catching jewies up there in the harbour. Yeah, no, that's just been going pretty well. But I, I don't get out there very much. I just got a lot of stuff to get through here. You're a hard-working man, Tommy. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you. Take yeah. it easy. I'm Kirsty, and I'm from Leanya. I'm Singy and I'm from Howard Springs. A couple of weeks ago we took the family down to the daily. We got ourselves a good spot. The two boys started casting straight away and yeah, from the word go we were on. It was yeah, there's fish everywhere and 
we had fish in the boat before we knew it. That's when Kirsty finally hooked up. Tell us about it, because it is a pretty unusual catch that you got, Kirsty. Absolutely. It's just something that you, I don't think we'll ever see again. I was on, and it wasn't huge, but I knew it was, you know, it was okay. Singy was on net duty, and as it came up, I could see the leader, but it was sort of in amongst foam and some debris that was floating around. As I leant over and uh, looked into the water, the fish that Kirsty had on spooked another barra that was probably under our boat, I think, and mm. it went scooting out, so I, I netted it, and then Kirsty's jumped, and I got it at the same time. Ended up with uh, two fish in one catch. Now, that's not something that happens every day, is it? No, definitely not. Like, we just absolutely could not believe it. We were screaming, yelling and carrying on, and I'm sure everyone on the river would have wondered what was going on. The fish that I actually had on my lure was about a 61, and the fish following it was a 67. The bigger fish was the one that wasn't attached to my lure. Sounds a bit like buy one, get one free. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we, we absolutely could not believe it. It was just one of those things that I didn't think was possible with Barra. It was pretty awesome. I think the fish were actually just sitting underneath all the floating debris and um, when Kirsty's fish came over it spooked it I guess and it was just an opportunity to, to get two <laughs> with one and we tried to claim it as a metre 28 so because it was, it was still only one catch but uh, we couldn't join them both together so still unofficially not a, not a metre yet. It was high fives all around after that and back into the fishing. It was a bit of a shock really and I think I was the loudest somehow, screaming and carrying on, like as if I'd caught a metery. <laughs> yeah, and the kids were pretty excited too, so. And your young fella gave us a shout out. Take a photo of it, send it to Tales of the Tinny. Oh, man. Absolutely. We talk about Tales of the Tinny all the time and we follow them on Facebook and listen to the show. So Jed, my youngest, who's 11, he thought it was pretty cool. It was Jed's birthday as well, so it was a bit of a special day and um, both the boys caught their PBs that day and mm. it was an amazing day on the water. Uh, the 11 year old got an 81 yep. and Rory got a 79 so good fish and yeah just flicking lures towards the bank. They absolutely love it like it's their passion and to have a day like that topped off the double header of Barra. All the best and uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Spoke before to a, a previous producer of this uh, esteemed program, Tales from the Tinny, Morgan Hartney, is living in a tin shack uh, hiding from the ATO. Out in Arnhem Land, and it's a bit of a coincidence because another previous producer of the show, Timothy. Yeah, Mario Clancy Fagion. Is also hiding out in Arnhem Land. G'day, Mario. How are you, mate? G'day, fellas. G'day, fellas. Do you guys even have a producer anymore? What's the story? We seem to be slipping into our middle ages and living vicariously through the fame of former employees like yourself and Morgs who have now got their name up in lights. I mean, you've been filming this this series with Patrick Dangerfield and Bomber out on Groot, which is the front page of every newspaper in the nation. It went to air just before the footy on the weekend. So can... Can you tell us what it's like to be an A-grade celebrity and to live under lights and to mean something? What is it like? To, what is it like to mean something as we we totter off towards old age? Well, really, I guess what it shows is how selfless you two are um, as colleagues. You know, to mentor people like myself and build us up into useful human beings and then let us go into society and. You know, you get no credit. While we uh, stay here in the mire. Oh, stop it. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. It sounded, it, it sounded and looked like an awesome adventure, um, circumnavigating group. Yeah, epic. Uh, nine days, eight nights by boat. Uh, 
seven men on two six and a half metre boats. Amazing fishing around that country. That guy, Bomber Farrell, I've spoken to him a lot being the producer of the tinny, but I actually hadn't spent much time on the water. 7,000 RPM, uh, 25 hours a day, yep. eight days a week. It's exhausting. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the big challenges of the trip was keeping up with Bomber. It's a bit deceiving fishing here. You say you can catch any species on demand, but really the species are, are much more readily available over here. But Bomber takes danger field and they go and catch some sailfish. And that's really what Bomber spent the majority of his non-working time over here doing in the last 11 years, just how refined his technique is and how bonkers and passionate he is. He, he You know, we were struggling trying to keep his audio level safe. Yeah. shouting so much. Yeah, it's great to see too a couple of these um, local fishing productions, you know, being made in and coming out of the territory to showcase showcase our region. Have you been getting into the fishing much yourself since you've been over there? Now you're living there, Patch. Yeah, it's been pretty special for me because I was actually born on the island. Decided I would try and learn to fish and hunt um, the way people have been doing since the beginning of the island. So that's utilising a spear and a spear thrower. Uh, it's going to be a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A very, very long journey. Um, I've managed to pin two stingrays and a mud crab at this stage. The first stingray was pretty hilarious. I was on my own and it was quite big and I hit it and I was very surprised that I even hit it. And it's taken off straight out to sea and I kind of sheepishly followed it for a bit and then I got way too scared of crocodiles so I came back and it kept going 50 to 100 metres offshore and all I could see was about a foot of my spear out of the water just doing circles and this stingray flapping around. Yeah, rookie error, but thankfully what happened was um, a crew of one of my Aboriginal people came past in the boat and I waved them down. It must have looked hilarious, you know, this non-Aboriginal man running along the beach and then I told them I hit a stingray, it's out there, so they went out and got it for me and I gave it to them. A slow journey, like you're just learning so many small lessons every time, um, but it's a very satisfying, a very satisfying way of hunting and gathering, that's for sure. You've obviously got some good teachers out there, mate, but um, have you been uh, hearing any reports of how the fishing actually is at Groot at the moment? It's been doing quite well on the mainland coastline. There's still a bit of runoff fishing happening. Um, hearing reports, doing some overnight trips and, you know, getting somewhere between 50 and 70 barra, and um, if they're lucky, they get one over a metre. So I think I've heard of probably three barra over a metre get caught over the last month. There's been some good pelagic fishing happening around the island, but now, um, this time of year, the Aboriginal people call it the Mamarika, which is that southeast wind we, we talk about for the dry season. It's arrived here, um, and it's pretty hard, makes it hard for the boats to get out and about. Um, so I think people will be sticking pretty close. But, yeah, there still seems to be a bit of barra fishing happening over on the mainland. OK, mate. Well, uh, good luck in, on this long, uh, traditional and centuries-old journey trying to throw a sharpened stick and put something on the table. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep hey, in contact. Hey, can we come visit you in Hollywood? You're more than welcome to take the credit for all of it. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Good, um, Great work and congratulations to, uh, to Bomber and Patrick Dangerfield as well. Nice to hear from you. Thanks, Tim and Rob. Oh, Guts <laughs> again, mate. <laughs> a metre barrel. It's paid out every time. Happy days. I'm doing the dance. Tales <laughs> from the tinny. Get a mullet When you're looking for Glenn White from Barefoot Fishing Safaris, if you're not finding him on the water, 
you're probably going to find him in a place like this, where there might be an ale or two being had, Timmy. In Australian thongs. <laughs> Just with Australia flag on the thongs. How are you, Waddy? I'm well. We do seem to bump into each other in places like this regularly, don't we? <laughs> Indeed. Now, you've been working hard, as uh, most guides are in town at this time of year. What have you been up to? Yeah, that's right. We're pretty flat out. Uh, it's the first day off for a month or so, um, but it's been good. You know, We've got our good clients coming back this time of year. The fishing's been great. And, um, yeah, I've been doing Shady Camp and Dundee mostly um, and sneaking out to Bino for a couple of days as well. Those repeat clients must have really high expectations coming back in April with you taking them to Shady. A fair bit of pressure to perform, Waddy? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Like They come back for the, um, for the experience as much as anything. But, yeah, I mean, they're there to catch fish. And, and this year, because we had the big wet, it's been really good and they, they have been rewarded for sure. So where's been working for you predominantly, Waddy? Uh, I've just done the last 10 days or so at Shady Camp and the water's dropping out there a lot at the moment. You've actually got to push the boat down the first 100 metres on the low tide, which is not ideal. I'd like to see some dredging there if the government are keen for that. But the fish have pushed up the river and, and you can catch them in the top 5Ks of the saltwater side now. It's a big change from a, a few weeks ago when we're driving to Love Creek, doing 110 litres of fuel in a day, and back to you know 10 minutes down the river and, and now we're into them. What explains that, do you think? the fish moving right up the top? They do it every year and um, the blokes who fish it um, sort of solid will know when more than I do but it tends to be around this time of April um, the water drops out enough and and the big fish push up to get those smaller fish that are dropping off the floodplains and those big huge mullet everywhere and they're coming up to get them. And what is the fact that Shady's dropping as much as it is that you're basically pushing your way out of the barrage say about how long we've got for the runoff? Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, there's a lot of water backed up on the Shady Camp floodplain itself, but it has dropped away very quickly. I, I did a couple of weeks at Dundee and then came back to Shady and I couldn't believe how much it had dropped. But but it'll hold until the end of the month at least. We've got another couple of sets of tides in it yet. So what techniques are you using? You're up around the barrages? Yeah, trolling big shallow lures is the main one for the guides, as well as just casting rubbers in creeks and stuff like that, which is working well on the change of tides and as the tide pushes up. Consistently hearing of big numbers of smaller fish, 40s to 60s and 70s on those barrages, are you getting many bigger models? Yeah, we are. We can fish a top of the tide turn at a barrage and expect a metre plus fish any day of the week this week coming, I think. Plenty of small fish around, but there's plenty of size ones in amongst them. There's plenty of Australia going on right here. Someone's obviously caught a metery in the front bar of the Marara. Get into it, boys! <laughs> there's, uh, there's some big celebrations going on here. Some boys are uh, having a good time. We might just shuffle away a bit so we can hear what we're saying. Right, oh, I think we can hear ourselves think again. Timmy. So any particular techniques you're using that are giving you the opportunity to get those bigger fish amongst the smaller ones in those areas? We do tend to find that if you're throwing bigger lures, you're getting the bigger fish, you know, up to those 130 mil, six or seven inch rubbers. You drop down in numbers, but you increase your quality. So we tend to get a few smaller ones and then start increasing the size of the lure. Do you find they're holding deeper than the smaller ones as well? Uh, yeah, not so much deeper, but probably further off the barrages. So you tend to get a lot of the little fellas around the rocks and the white water, and then the bigger fish, maybe 20 metres back, yeah, hoping for a snack as they float through. So condition on the fish, they lean, beefed up? 
Yeah, it, it's actually been a bit of a mixed bag in the last week. Um, really big, chunky 80s and 90s, and then those traditional shady camp greyhound, you know, 95s and meteries are getting caught as well. Are wreck fishos wasting their time targeting marsh, love, swim, caymore on the big tides, all those big traditional coastal creeks? No, not at all. They've definitely got another set of tides in them, I'm sure. I was at Love, last set of big tides, and the amount of bait coming out of there was extraordinary. The barrow were there in huge numbers, uh, but they were very hard to get on a hook. They were really keyed into smaller mullet, little three or four inch size, and made them very difficult to tempt with a lure. How about Dundee? How's that been fishing? Yeah, hot and cold Dundee this year for me. Um, that's why I spent a bit of time at Shady last week. I'll be interested to see how it goes now as it drops out as well and, and we might start finding a few fish on the rock bars and stuff like that. But the, the rocky points have been good and the blue water, of course, is, is excellent and um, pelagics are in as well pretty early this year. And you did drop a little bino mention? Yeah, did a couple of days in bino, mostly bait fishing with a group, but we did do a few hours barra flicking. What, 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 what does bait fishing mean? <laughs> targeting mullet? Yeah, no, uh, we were fishing for snapper in the harbour and the boys got their bag pretty quick. I think there's, there's plenty of snapper around again this year. Oh, I thought you meant you were targeting bait. You mean you were bottom bouncing. Gee, yeah. That wouldn't happen very often in your boat, would it? No, I mean, the boat's smelly enough as it is. But, um, yeah, a bit of squid those days. Usually we drift with jigs, but um, tides are running pretty hard, so heavy sinkers and down the bottom. How much of your irritation are you holding back because of the stink and the encrusted pilchard and squid around the gunnels? I know, I know you're not a fan. Yeah, no, I really encourage people to rub as much squid into the carpet as they possibly can. (laughs) They're happy to do that. Righto, Waddy, these boys are are making me thirsty enjoying their beers over there. I think it's time we head back inside. Yeah, I'm not used to leaning by the dunnies too long anyway, Smith, so we probably should. (laughs) People are giving us a few looks. Only Smith is in his natural habitat here. (laughs) Let's go back inside. Cheers, Waddy. Tales from the Tinny. Waddy. A man right at home in the front bar and not afraid at all, I'm sure, of running the occasional mullet. Tails. If you think like a mullet, you will catch the barramundi. From the tinny. Mate, I'm just adoring your mullet. Get a mullet up ya! <laughs> it's all about the mullet, Timmy. It's all about the mullet. Well, this wraps up pretty much this return getting the band back together edition of tales from the tinny there is many thanks to be had mm. it was just i mean we can do better mm. it's like the, it's first gig we got a few thanks today Krantz and roger the silver fox slagging each other they'll be whipping lures whipping flies at each other over corroboree as the comp continues in a week or two's time waddy in the front bar of course fadge simo and morgan Tommy from Sand Palms. Kirsty Fairchild and Singo. Mitch Nixon, the mullet. Warren DeWitt. <laughs> Lats and Jack Feeney. Bradley Dawes. Oscar and Hertzy. Oscar and Hertzy. Setting the template for the hoy. Bang it in. Cut, Get the detail. Cut, cut the crap. Just give us the highlights. No, we don't mean that, actually. The crap is most often. Yeah. The best offer. And the highlights. <laughs> and the highlights, yeah. Chloe Ellis Lehman, Nick Cambarukas, great job to him and uh, him and the family and, and crew for saving that mob off Charles Point. Chris and Manny Edwards, Rowan Short, Brad Allgood, and to you, Fishers. As is the case every week, giving us a hoy, keep us in contact, and 
Keep us all laughing at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook and via fishing at abc.net.au, the email address. Until next week. Get to f- mullet up here. It's all about the mullet. That was just gratuitous, Robert. Tales from the Tinny.